Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to Our Higher Branch podcast. Today in the studio with me, I have Lynn McPherson, who has a double master's qualified, who is a double master's qualified award-winning social ecologist, Mm -hmm. transformative psychotherapist, government accredited clinical hypnotherapist in NLP or neuro-linguistic programming. And you also, you completed both your transformative leadership and social ecology masters. I don't know what that is, but I do want to find out with distinction. And you were awarded the Dean's Medal for Academic Excellence. So that was pretty awesome. Now, you've also been featured in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age because of your unique and extensive training. um, Well, rather because of the results you've been able to achieve with a lot of your clients. You've achieved fast results and lasting results on such disorders as stress, anxiety, fear and phobia. Mm. confidence and depression which is why I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you because this is an area that is not really known by me I've studied psychology many years ago but I'm a practicing lawyer so hypnotherapy isn't something that I'm familiar with but there was something on your website which really grabbed me and I just want to bring out these statistics and that is that it takes 600 sessions with a psychoanalyst to achieve 38% 38% success rate, mm. 600 sessions. Mm. It's a lot of money in hours. It, is. It, is. <laughs> it takes 22 sessions with behavior therapy to achieve a 72%, which is pretty good. But then when it comes to hypnotherapy and what you do, it takes only four to six sessions to yep. achieve a 93% success rate. Yes. That is amazing results. So today I want to just take a general view as to what you do. I want to go through some of the case studies and hopefully in the future you'll come back and take a deeper dive into any one of these areas that we're going to touch on today. But firstly, Lynn, thank you very much for coming to our podcast. Yeah, It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. So you're based in Sydney at Mossman? Yes. And You've been rated in the top three hypnotherapists, is that yes. what it is? Yep. Yeah. In Australia, which is amazing achievement. So today, I want to kick this off by asking this question. Yeah. We live in the most comfortable environment in human history. Yeah, true. And medicine is coming up with breakthrough after breakthrough. So we're also living in a time where, you know, drug therapy is highly accessible, right, mm. to everyone. Yeah. So why is it that we're seeing a spike in anxiety, in depression, in phobias, in fears, irrational fears? What, what's happening here? Shouldn't we be going the other way? Yeah, wow. That's a huge question. Yeah. And there are so many different ways to answer that. But I would start by saying that in our current world, we're kind of a bit isolated. We're probably more isolated than we've ever been. So especially with this new social media kind of uh, effect yeah. That's, that's occurring in our society today. We communicate, but in this distant way. So we're not having real conversations like you and I are having right now. So people are like basically feeling isolated, even though they've got all these friends on social media. Yep. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is the fast-paced life that we all live. And there's a lack of balance, so we're not finding the time to do the things that fulfill us. We're kind of like robotically working, you know. Um, trying to pay the bills a lot of the time. So we lose context and perspective. 
Uh, and in, in that, we lose ourselves. We lose, um, our, in a sense, a bit of our humanity and what enables us to thrive. So the work that I do with people helps a lot of them find balance again, come back to that centeredness and finding who am I really and what I want out of life because you only live once. Cliche. True. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer and it leads me into this segue which I'm really focusing on most recently and that is I find that there is a lot of people going through uh, fear and this feeling that they're inadequate. Yeah, they're not a lot of overwhelmed. They need to do a lot of things because mm. there are a lot of... Um, you know, motivational gurus, I guess you mm. call them, who are just peddling this this message that you should be doing something, you should be, you know, working harder, making more money, it's, uh, you know, 100x this, 10x that, and there's a lot of agitation that it causes yeah. in people, and then I think the younger generation are seeing that and thinking, I can't just chill out with my friends anymore, Some, somehow I have to be making an impact in this world. It's self-actualization gone mad. I agree. I think. And I there agree. are lots of uh, yeah. people preying on that vulnerability in human psychology to be more than... There's nothing wrong with ambition, but I think it's just, it's just gone the other way too much and it's, yeah. uh, it's causing anxiety. Yeah. But is it happening more and more in younger people? I, I completely agree with you. I think it's happening right across the board. I think there's a lot of pressure on young kids to perform very early, like even in primary school, to get great grades. Um, there's a lot of pressure on, on kids to you know, form these social relationships as well when there's a mm -hmm. lot of barriers and there's a lot of you know, families where the parents are not available to the kids because they're working so much. So there's all these problems that we're facing and they're generating more and more problems. But the thing is they're actually easy to resolve. So yeah, we have these motivational people out there saying you've got to work really hard, but my experience is when you are able to establish your own state of ease, which is easy, which is easier than being in a state of unease, then all of these things flow and occur naturally. So it's, yes. it's about creating a natural state of harmony where you listen to your intuition, you know how you feel, and you do what you know feels right. And then suddenly things just start happening organically, just like the way you and I met. So those sorts of things start occurring more naturally because you're attuned to what feels right and you follow that intuition or that instinct rather than actually love it. Yeah. psychoanalyze every single step of the way. And mm. then in that, there's a lot of self-critiquing that goes on that actually forms a barrier to your success. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. So if someone's listening out there at the moment, how would they recognize if they're in a state of unease? Like what are the signs? Everything that doesn't feel... Uh, natural, like any form of anxiety, any stress, any self-critiquing that's constant and reoccurring, um, sleeplessness, fears that just won't go away, unwanted patterns of behaviour. Um, there's a lot of people who have what we call imposter syndrome where they feel like they're just not good enough or they're acting. So they've got maybe a very successful role and they feel like they don't really belong and that they're fake, they're faking so it. So they're lying to be accepted. Yeah. They're lying about themselves. I see that more and more with younger people yeah. now. They have to pretend that to be something that they're not just to gain acceptance. Exactly. And I see it even in people in their 50s, 60s. You know, they're, they're highly successful. They've been successful their whole lives, but they still feel like they're faking it. 
rather than they know they're making it yeah. but they, they feel like they're pretending all the time and that usually goes all the way back to childhood issues that are unresolved so anything that makes you feel uncomfortable anything that really we should be comfortable in our own skin but what happens when that feeling of unease becomes their new norm it like it's so familiar that they think this is how I'm meant to be living this is how do you step outside that and actually because some people I know my weakness is I'm a workaholic right yeah <laughs> and so it takes being consciously aware of that to step outside yourself because when I the line of working too much I get into a state of unease mm. And it's taken me a long time to recognize that. It's through meditation, through being conscious, through journaling, to step back and say, well, I'm actually I'm in a state of unease at the moment. So it does become the new norm. So it's difficult to step outside yourself yeah. and notice it. Yeah. So if you're starting to get stressed, you usually feel it in your body. So you might, your, your heart might start racing. You might find you're starting to you know, feel dizzy or you get sweaty palms or you're extremely yeah. exhausted or you know you just you notice that your body's not functioning in a way that really works for you um, most people recognize it somehow because because it's unnatural it's an unnatural state um, and then they'll 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 come to me and they'll say can we work on this and the answer is always yes provided you want to so I can't make you do anything you don't want to do but if people want change they can generate just about anything so let's talk about what you do then. Yeah. Because the idea of instant results yeah. is that's, that's the best drug on the planet, right? It <laughs> is. It's like it popping is. a pill and getting a, a... Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit then how you um, uh, achieve that through hypnotherapy. Actually, this is probably a good segue into um, talking about the difference between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And you, you said something to me when we first spoke, and you said that your subconscious is responsible for healing the body, yeah. for your heart beating, for breathing. Yes. But it also wants to heal you emotionally. Yeah, right? it does. Yeah. Yeah. So um, is that exactly what you do? You just tap into the subconscious? Yeah. So, so the way I explain it is if you think of an, a, a metaphor of an iceberg, the conscious mind is represented by the tip of the iceberg. Yes. Um, so that's everything in your thinking mind and that's the, the critical voice, if you like, that we all have that goes around and around and around. I call it brain babble. Yep. And mm -hmm. then the rest of the iceberg, which is who you really are, is, is representative of your unconscious mind. That part of you enables you to thrive in every way if you're allowed to. So that's the part of you that enables your organs to function, your blood to flow, your heart to beat, everything to work without you knowing how. So if you decide, um, I'm going to walk to the shops, you don't think, come in left leg now, right leg. It just happens unconsciously. Yeah. yeah. If you fall over and you, you graze your knee, you don't think, come in blood, coagulate, clot, now yes. form a scab. It just happens automatically, unconsciously. Now, the same thing can occur when we are wounded or when we've got trauma or scars that are emotional, that are embedded within our unconscious mind. We can allow our unconscious mind to heal those things provided we know how to talk its language and it's a very different language to the conscious mind so what I do is I don't actually jump in anyone's head and do anything to them or for them I just show them how to drive this powerhouse you know when I work with kids I call it 
your Wonder Woman or your Superman. We're going to awake, awaken this part of you that wants you to thrive, wants you to be happy, wants you to be everything you can be. All right, and and that's Beautiful. really yep. and that's a really wonderful thing to know how to do. So most people they they'll come to me to wipe something out that they don't want, whether it be fear, anxiety, phobia, you know, unwanted patterns of behaviour, unwanted urges, overeating, whatever it is, um, and they walk out overcoming that. But then they have these tools that they can use to generate anything they do want. So you you can work these things both ways. When you know how to drive this super powerhouse that is your unconscious mind, you can go nuts. And that's the, you call it the feeling part of the brain. It's, it's that's yeah. a part of you that talks to you in feelings, metaphors, pictures, dreams, visualizations, and all those other forms of language. So when you get a gut feeling or an instinct or an intuition, that's your unconscious mind trying to speak to you. A lot of the time we're just not listening. Or we are listening, but we're listening and responding in a destructive way. So, so give us some examples. So, for of example, that. Yeah. so for example, if you've had a driving accident and then you get in a car, um, your unconscious mind wants to protect you. So it's not going to be able to talk to you in words. It's going to talk to you in feelings. It's going to give you a feeling to stop you and uh, alert you. Hang mm -hmm. on, we don't want to have another accident. So if you don't understand your body mind, you might think, oh my God, I've got anxiety. And then you're going to start your babble and you're going to start talking yourself into that and you're going to get more anxiety because your unconscious mind is going to sort of shout louder and you're going to get maybe palpitations or dizziness or whatever other feeling yes. and you're going to come to me with a driving phobia. When you learn to understand your mind, then you can pattern interrupt those things. You can talk the language of the unconscious mind and you can stop the whole process and then acknowledge those feelings and drive safely and have no issue at all. So I know it's controversial for me to say, considering almost everyone I treat has some form of anxiety, but I actually say there's no such thing as anxiety. It's not real, you, no, you say, yeah. It's not, it's not real, it's a misunderstanding of the mind. So coming in, if you go into a, a stage situation, I, I do a lot of public speaking, you know, I, I get the same feelings as everybody else, as you would, as anyone would. Yeah. But someone like Pink, she'll get the same feelings as we do in front of thousands of people. And she will acknowledge those feelings as good. You know, I need those feelings. They're going to drive me to do a great job. So she doesn't interpret them as anxiety. And she uses them to create a great performance and satisfy her audiences. Um, someone who develops stage phobia is misunderstanding that, misreading it and not listening, and then the feelings are getting stronger, and then they're coming to me with you know, stage anxiety or um, fear of public speaking. So what is that, um, what is that signal from our, from our subconscious telling us when we're feeling that anxiety, say, about public speaking? It's basically saying this is important, this matters. So we confuse excitement with with stress or anxiety ah yes beautiful instead yeah. of owning that and yeah. valuing it and thinking well thank you yeah i need this is going to drive me yeah this is going to drive me yeah. if you listen to really uh experienced performers they'll they'll actually tell you that it's concerning to them if they don't get that nervous feeling because then they they know something's wrong it doesn't matter enough yeah so you know they rely on those feelings to drive them so they mm. understand their body-mind, whether they're doing it consciously or not. They're doing something 
that enables them yep. to use rather than to be um, f sort of like almost potentially hijacked by their feelings. Yeah, so acknowledging is the first step. Acknowledging and then learning to speak the language of your unconscious mind so that it knows that, you know, okay, we're, we're congruent. Your, your unconscious mind and your conscious mind are one. We're not separate. And this is the thing, in, especially in Western culture, we mm. separate everything. So we separate our body and mind. We're not body here, mind here. We're one body mind, which is why if you have emotional stresses, they often accumulate in your body. Right, right. Of which course, is why yeah. often unease yeah. can lead, unfortunately, to disease if we don't deal with it. Right. So, and also, our conscious mind and our unconscious mind are interconnected. We're not a thinking human being. We're a thinking, feeling human being. In fact, we're more more a feeling human being than a thinking human being. I totally get that. Mm. Yeah. So we need if we don't acknowledge those feelings, that yeah. unease, yeah. and know how to process them, we start manifesting them through disease the body pays the price basically we can yeah yeah and so i i see it all the time when people resolve a decade of you know trauma and unease let's just call it unease that they've held on to for maybe two or three decades anxiety that yes. they think is part of them they often think it's hereditary it's not they wipe it out yes you know in a couple of hours and a couple of sessions uh, um, and then their physiology changes so, so it's, it's actually bizarre. They look 10 years younger, literally. Their faces lift, their eyes are brighter and bigger. You know, the color comes back in their cheeks, their body language changes, and you think, whoa, like, who is this person? And they'll say to you, oh my God, I feel so light, and I feel like I've got myself back. They'll often say, I can feel my limbs again. So yeah, our feelings and emotions are completely interconnected with our physical being and our physiology. We forget that. So often people will say, my shoulder pain that I've had for 15 years that I've been seeing people for every week, it's gone. They didn't realize. That's very powerful, yeah. Yeah, they didn't realize that that was actually, mm. they were holding on something emotionally that was actually accumulating in their body. I mean, I had one lady come in and she transformed her life. She was a, she was a performer. And like a lot of performers, she had really bad stage anxiety and a whole lot of other issues with family issues with her ex and her kids. She resolved them all and she came back about a year later and she was limping and her knee, she'd had a lot of trouble with her knee. So she'd seen physios and osteos and even had a small surgery and mm. done everything. Nothing worked. And she thought, I'll go back and see Lynn and see if there's something emotional that's sort of blocking this healing process. And as she walked in, she said that the last time she had knee pain, she was six, and her mother threw a table on her leg. She had an, an abusive relationship with her mother, and we, we cleared that trauma, and she walked out literally kicking her leg in the air. The, 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 the pain had gone, and, and the block had gone. So, you know, these stories are real. I see them every day. They're not some kind of magic but the body-mind interconnection is quite magical when you know how to work it. So you can talk about it, but obviously for people to experience it, they need to have that session of hypnotherapy session. It's yeah. hard to, des to describe. You really need to experience it. It's like talking about riding a bike versus riding a bike. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, a it's because it's so individual. Yeah. So everyone is an individual. 
so there's no one size fits all. It's not like this is a Holden whatever yeah. or a you know BMW and this is the way you fix it. Yes. We're not <laughs> like that. We're individuals and every single person has their own individual requirements, trauma, whatever it is, blocks, fears, phobias, and they need to be dealt with um, in a way that works for them. So, so finding the right practitioner is important, Very obviously. important, yeah. yeah. And, and then when you do know what you're doing, everything gets resolved. It's not like you fix one anxiety and you've still got another one. Your unconscious mind just fixes everything. So it's incredibly holistic. It's not selective. I, I see a time in the future where... You know, these modalities would be part of a curriculum. Absolutely. <laughs> Does Absolutely. that sound? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I, I say every day, you know, this should be in the school system. Well, it should be part of your, mm. like we have di- daily hygiene, like, mm. like brushing teeth, right? Yeah. I've implemented other things like meditation and journaling. But in future, I'm, mm. I'm hoping that we're going to live in a world that doesn't rely on popping pills, but on these you know, emotional hygiene techniques such as hypnotherapy guided by someone, a practitioner. It's yeah, part well, of a weekly or a monthly. I mean, people go to a chiropractor, right? Yeah. Crack their... Yes. You know, and uh, but then they have to keep going back because they're not letting go of the emotion. Exactly. Yeah. And, the, and the unconscious mind, um, if we train it early enough before we have all these things and all this baggage, we can prevent it. So it's like preventative medicine. We could save ourselves a fortune and enable ourselves to thrive for the rest of our lives. We change our lives, we change our children's lives, we change their children's lives. It's this whole incredible process of change that occurs if you get in and you stop these patterns recurring, if you like. So it's, it's awesome. And there are, even though I say that you know, every individual is an individual, that, that's relevant when it comes to being really traumatised and clearing trauma, for instance, for example, or right. anxiety that's deeply rooted in the unconscious mind. But in terms of providing people with tools to prevent these things, that can be taught at mass levels. Do you understand? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Just understanding <coughs> how your body-mind works and understanding how to drive it. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, we have two frameworks in our... Uh, academy uh, one is represents holistic living the second one is conscious living mm. and the third step to conscious living after uh, focusing on uh, you know what you want in the uh, in the eight areas of life so the uh, uh, the holistic living framework is about these eight areas of life it's your health love life family work friendship learning wealth and charity we believe each one of those fills a fundamental human need absolutely but then um and if you neglect any one of those areas of life, you are not a whole human being. Uh, and this is <clears throat> what we talked about earlier, how about some motivational gurus are just teaching people like, you know, work, 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 make lots and lots of money and be really successful and famous. It's dangerous because mm. that's a cautionary tale when you work too much and neglect all the other fundamental human needs like Absolutely. love and unconditional love and support you know, belonging, you yes. know, friendship. Anyway, so we apply the second framework of conscious living to each one of those eight areas. And we say, for each one of those eight areas, you have to have goals and dreams, two action items for each of them. There's no use just 
focusing on what you want but not taking action, right? Um, but third is what I think we're talking about is knowing how to practice acceptance. It's surrendering to the outcomes in life. Yeah. So is what, uh, what you do, is it about teaching people how to uh, accept, accepting those feelings or accepting those traumas before they can transcend them? Is that, well, is that there's, different? Well, there's two stages. So if you get in early... Um, and you, you like, for instance, if you were to, to, to put this work into schools, for example, yeah. yes, th- that's where we can prevent things becoming huge and becoming a roadblock to somebody. When you haven't done that, and they're in their twenties or older, or thirties, forties, fifties, good point. Yeah. Then, then it's a different thing completely. Yeah. Then you need to actually resolve them and clear them. In in a session with a practitioner a such session, as yourself. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and then it depends how they were created and when they were created. And the beauty of this work is you don't even have to know how consciously. Because when you actually work with the unconscious mind at these sophisticated levels, using a number of processes, the unconscious mind unravels and resolves and dissolves these things without you even knowing what they are, which is pretty phenomenal. So it's like effortless. Effortless. I say to people, it's a bit like this, you know, if you imagine a pathway through the bush yes, and it's well-worn and loads of people walk down it, um, if you go to the bush, you're not going to forge your way through the bush and make your own pathway. You're going to walk down the one that's already there, like everyone else. Yes. Right? Yeah. We all do that. But our brain does that. We have these things called neurological pathways. Um, and we get a trigger. We go down this pathway and we think, oh, no, here I am again. I don't want to be here. I'm overeating, I'm feeling anxious, I'm really stressed, I'm whatever it is. Yes. Right? How did I get here? I don't even know. So the work that I do is I help people to recognize those triggers. They then generate a pattern interrupt and that's why they need to consciously be invested in the process because they consciously in create a pattern interrupt which awakens the unconscious mind. And then the unconscious mind thinks, yay, and creates a new neurological pathway that's really healthy. Um, and they don't even know how because it's unconscious. Right, right. So it's really awesome. And then the beauty of that That's is... exciting. It's so exciting. <laughs> yes. And the beauty of that is yeah. when, you, when you've done that, like yeah. even for a few days, like often only for a week or something or less, Yes. Uh, if you never walk down that old pathway, it's like the pathway in the bush. You know what happens to that pathway in the bush that no one walks down? It grows over. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what happens yeah. in our brains. So the, the amazing magical part of this is people will come back to me after two or three weeks and, they'll, and I'll say, how's that anxiety you ranked 50 out of 10? And they'll say, oh, I forgot I had it. I'm, I'm like, well, you had it for 20 years. And they'll say, yeah, no, but it's like you're talking about someone else. Oh, wow, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, they don't, get, they don't yeah. need to consciously fix or change it, so it's not something they're thinking about anymore. Yes, at that conscious level, that's who we're not. That's everything we want to th- fix and change about ourselves, the babble level, right? Yes. Whereas the unconscious mind is that part of us that knows how to do that. So in a sense, the magic happens when we allow our unconscious mind to do that by getting our conscious mind out of the way. Yeah. And then the, yeah. when that becomes a way of life, everything shifts easily. You don't have to go and do 10 minutes of meditation a day or an hour of this a day or whatever of that a day. There's no work involved. It's just a new mindset. You've I literally love that. That sounds really awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've changed your mind. It's yeah. done. It's done. 
So the change happens from inside out. You know, people yeah. think when I get a new car, when I get a new house, when I get a new whatever it is, job, I'll be happy. But the cliche is true, you know, happiness starts within. We change our inner state, internal state, yes. into that state of ease, and then it's done. And then we walk out into the world a different person. I say to people, you come in a caterpillar, you go out a butterfly. Then you go into the world and the world reacts and responds differently to you. You react and respond differently to it. Yes. And then day by day, your world changes and you create the life you want. Yeah. Does so that make I, sense? Yeah, absolutely. I heard that the, um, the subconscious mind or the feeling part of the brain is 5,000 times more powerful. Yeah than the, the conscious mind at least I'd and say. they've measured these yeah. uh, frequencies so uh, for me it's uh, it's a bit like saying uh, asking someone if you're anxious or um, have a phobia about something or you're deeply unhappy can you talk yourself out of it consciously no. you can't no so it takes the you can't fix a problem in the subconscious through the conscious you've you got can't. to go into the subconscious Exactly. Yeah. And it's so good that you get that because a lot of people don't get that. And, uh, and that's why psychology and counselling are fantastic in, in creating strategies and, you know, and, and understanding issues. But in terms of resolving underlying deep-seated, mm. you know, unconscious issues like anxiety, fears, phobias, unwanted patterns of behaviour, you can talk about them forever. You're just not going to get very far at all, if anywhere at all. In fact, you might even get incredibly frustrated and think, what's wrong with me? Why can't I fix it? There's nothing wrong with you. It's the system. It doesn't work. Yes. Because these things, you don't even know what they are consciously. That's right. Yeah, it reminds <laughs> me of that quote by Albert Einstein where he says, yeah. you can't use the brain to fix a problem that it's created or something like that. Yeah, you know the yeah. quote I'm talking yes. about? So, an even better yeah. one, an even yeah. better quote of his is, the imagination is more powerful than knowledge because you can generate anything with the imagination whereas yes. knowledge is limited to what we already know so you step into that realm of creating visualizing and expands expanding your world rather than believing or seeing what's there at the moment you know so is visualization part of your pre preventative um uh, if you like modality or is it the so wh where do you use visualization because earlier we talked about the preventative being part of the school curriculums, but then when there's deep trauma, then you need to get a practitioner to work with you on resolving that. Or um, any underlying anxiety or any unwanted recurring patterns, yeah. Yes. Um, Visualisation and imagination and all these kinds of things are part of that unconscious mind language. So we need to learn how to use it, not just a bit of the time, but all the time. Yes. So yeah. we become part of being that visualization type of being, if you like. Yes. So it's not like we go and put time aside every day to visualize, and then and then we become yes yes caught up in everyday life again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like then there's two yous. Yeah. We incorporate it into who we are. So. We become a person that is constantly visualizing where they want to go, and it's part of, it's an automatic process. So we're constantly creating this yes. connection or this congruence or this what we call golden handshake where the magic happens. Between the conscious and the subconscious mind. Exactly, yeah. Yep. So it's kind of like driving this power force, this power force within mm. you through speaking its language, part of which, a big part of which, is imagination and visualization. Because what we do know about the body-mind is if you're able to imagine something viscerally or at that sensory level, yes. 
it becomes more real than reality. So that's why phobia people are phobia people. So anyone that's got a vomit phobia, yeah. they actually know logically, they know cognitively that that vomit's not going to hurt them. But at some point in time, they've, they've had a visceral response to that vomit. They've felt it in their body. So that's what you mean by visceral? You yeah. Feel like they feel it Sensory. in their bodies? They yep. feel it in their body. Yeah. And then from that moment onwards, every time you even talk about vomit, they have that same visceral response, that same sensory response, even though it's illogical. It's, it's sort of happening deep down at that unconscious level, yep. if that makes sense. Yes. So they're really easy to work with because they're using these processes in powerful ways. Um, in the same way that a, we just turn it around into the positive. Mm -hmm. It's in the same way that Olympic basketballers, when they get to a certain level of training or competence, it pays them to stop practicing and get somebody like me in to visualize and feel themselves on that court, shooting that hoop, winning that match, because that becomes their new reality. So if we can generate that into our daily life, we're about to, whatever we're about to do, and then we can actually generate more power in what we're doing. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're talking and I was visualizing Oh, good. What were you visualising? I was actually visualising you on stage at uh, Upgrade Your Life 2021 <laughs> <laughs> talking to uh, our crowd about this because yeah, cool. uh, I think a lot of people think that uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza owns this space, but really there's a lot of practitioners like yourself that talk about the same thing and who have been trained to mm. do the same thing. He just does it. He puts it so eloquently and he's written some amazing books on basically being able to materialize what you visualize mm. that is step into that future state where it's happened exactly yeah. I, look i don't know a lot about him but i have a lot of clients tell me that i work in a very similar way but there are a lot of people working in this way out there and they yeah. use a slightly different language and it's about finding someone that speaks your language you get it and you think yeah i like the way that's explained it makes sense to me yes and then it's much easier to sort of like incorporate and, you know, use, utilize. Do you do also like workshops, uh, group sessions where you teach people how to visualize and uh, step into that future state where they feel something viscerally, even though before it's happened? Yeah, well, that's, yeah. What I'm, that's where I'm going next. So, and I'm starting to do that. I'm, I'm trying to look for ways to do that that are powerful. Because um, I'd like to do that with my leadership team here yeah. In, internally. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Because yeah. I do it all the time, instinctively. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I first read uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza's book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm. I'm reading this and I'm, uh, I remember I was on the Gold Coast on holidays and I'm reading it and I'm reading the summary of each chapter to my wife and I'm saying, look, this is what I do. And she was reading and she said, yeah, yeah, you, you do that. Like I'm always in a state of visualization. So, you know, if I'm about to do a run in the morning, as I'm brushing my teeth, I'm visualizing how I'm running and I'm like running like the bionic man or something like that. Yeah. You know, I'm like visualizing the best, using my imagination to visualize the, 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 the life of my dreams. Whereas most people will utilize it to imagine the, you know, their worst nightmare. They yes. use it for the wrong reasons, right? Exactly, and that, that'll sabotage them. So that's why you're so successful, because you're, you're generate, every, every time you're doing that, you're, you're basically wiring success into your brain, but you're doing it yep. at, at both levels. Continuously. Holistically. It's not through meditation or once in the exactly. day. Exactly, exactly. Because I, I say, look, if you're meditating 10 minutes out of 16 waking hours, that's 1% of your day. Mm. 
what are you thinking the other 90 and feeling the other 99% of the day? Exactly. You know. And so I sort of work the other way around. I get people to experience the state of ease, which is easy, yes. extremely easy, much easier to be in a state of ease than in a state of unease. Much. It's really... Because it's our natural it's default. It's our natural state. Yeah. So that book title, you know, uh, not being... What was it? Not being yourself. Breaking the habit of breaking, being yourself. Be, yeah. Breaking the habit of being yourself. I would, I would rephrase that. I'd, I'd find it's about finding yourself because that's not yourself. That's not yourself. That thinking Absolutely mind right. is yep. actually not you. Yeah. It's not you. It's who you're not. Yeah. It's usually everything you want to fix and change about yourself. Because of what happens to us in life over many years, the traumas, yep. the little things that you know maybe as a child happened to us. You know that we didn't know how to process so exactly. our default state is to go uh, is what we were when we were born right we were pure and yeah. yeah well at that okay so there's a couple of things yeah. there when we were born we didn't have words but we knew when we were hot and we knew when we were cold or we're tired or hungry so we were born feeling human beings yes right and even though thinking is a wonderful thing and that's what differentiates us from other animals. Yes. Um, we can plan, we can create, we can strategize, you know, we can build things. Um, mixing feeling and thinking is a big mistake. We need to feel our feelings and think our thoughts. So that's the first thing. We need to go back to the basics and be this feeling human being. Does that make sense? Very powerful. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then we can still think yes. about other things, but not about our feelings. So it's all about getting back in touch with who we really are. Now, at that thinking level, which is the conscious mind, I call it brain babble. Yes. That babble level, everything is actually a load of rubbish. We, we, and there's a number of reasons why, but I won't bore you. I'll just give no, you... No, please tell us, yeah. I can't ever. But the two main reasons are yeah. because at that babble level, you couldn't possibly remember everything that happened to you from the time you were born. If you tried to you'd go nuts, it would be information overload. Yes. Right? Yep. So at that level, you only remember extremes, extremely good, bad, weird, you know, something you want to fix or change. And that's all you remember. Yes. yes. Right? And also at that babble level, everything's distorted because, you know, you could experience something today and the same thing next week and you could have a completely different experience of it depending on how you slept, who you're with, the weather, a variety yep. of factors. Yeah. So our interpretations at that level are distorted and warped. But then we think that's me. But it's not. It's the opposite to you. Yeah. It's everything you want to fix and change. Yeah. But even within our current mainstream mental health system, we secure that way of thinking. We go to a doctor. They ask us questions about our mental health. What are you thinking? They'll give yeah. us a questionnaire about what's going on in that babble mind. And then, to make it worse, they'll diagnose us. So they'll put a label on that, who we're not, and then we get stuck there. Yep. When the real me, the real you, yes. is the, the other part, the part that's not up there in Babylon. So Absolutely. Yep. So kind of like our yeah. system has got it all a bit back to front. Our healthcare system, you mean? Our mental health care system. Because, mental, yeah. you know, even really notoriously difficult things to treat, like stuttering and eating disorders, which, which I have a lot of success with, they're not addressing the underlying root cause of these things, which we don't know consciously. They're talking, they're going around and around in, in this kind of babble land. Yeah, yep. Um, trying to resolve something that they, they, don't, they don't know about at that level. They can't possibly know about it. Sounds to me like 
This, this sounds to me like uh, really uh, uh, mental health care or health care generally mm. is going to come at a crossroads where we either go down the path of altering the state through psychotropic drugs yes. to deal with these things. Which is a band-aid. Yeah. Or we go down this path yeah. of actually getting to the root of the issue and mm. actually tapping into the subconscious, <clears throat> which has the potential to fix us very quickly, effortlessly, and lasting permanently. permanently. Mm. So I know where I think humanity should go down. Absolutely. Because <laughs> there's a lot of books at the moment really uh, championing the cause of you know, uh, fixing humans or altering our states through drugs. Yeah. And they're saying there's nothing wrong with that because it's just part of our evolutionary cycle. But I, d I don't agree with that. So I, I really love what you're doing. Yeah, well, un unfortunately, the drugs create what I call... Sometimes they're necessary, of course, but Because you work with uh, psychiatrists, don't you? Yeah, yep. and I get a lot of referrals from them, yeah. the ones that understand, and we work together. But the, the problem is if it's things like anxiety... I mean, a lot of people walk into me diagnosed with an anxiety disorder mm. and walk out without it. Diagnosed with ADHD, OCD and walk out without yes, it. It's very powerful. It's yeah. gone. It's, it wasn't actually... Yeah. Often OCD <coughs> is actually a phobia. So mm. it's, it's really interesting to see what's going on out there and to see people turn their lives around and the relief they feel. Like one woman who was plagued with bulimia her entire life since she was a small child. Mm -hmm. She'd done everything in the world possible. Been to all these eating disorder clinics and all these psych, you know, psychologists and tried psychiatry, nothing worked. And within, you know, I think it was five or six sessions, she had no urge at all to binge or purge because we had addressed the urge, which was an underlying, uh, deeply unconscious, deeply embedded in the unconscious mind um, trauma that yes. needed to be healed. So we didn't even have to bring it up to the surface. We just had to clear it. And once it was cleared, the urge was gone. Can I ask how you do that? It depends on the person. It depends mm. on the trauma. So some traumas are in the mind. Some traumas are in the body. Uh, we use all kinds of, I mean, I use all kinds of practices. I, I draw on things from the, the master's degrees and understanding how the brain transforms. I draw on, um, you know, desensitizing techniques hypnotherapy is only one small part what people yeah. see yes. what people think of as hypnotherapy is you lie down you go to sleep someone does some voodoo thing and you wake up and you're different it's not yeah. like that yeah this is very much a participatory process where you need to consciously engage to create the magic you want it you need to want those changes and then you drive this powerhouse so then mm. we we kind of play you know i kind of figure out Okay, where do we need to go, depending on what's going on in their head? Same with stuttering, people who stutter, you know? Everyone stutters for a different reason. So you need to get uh, to, course, the, yeah, yeah, yep. to the core <coughs> root reason of, okay, is this something, where does this come from? What's it about? Yes. And it's about understanding what's going on in their body and mind and then knowing where to go from there. So you've got to have a lot of processes and tools and modalities to work with to get you know, a holistic result. I and think. that's why you studied all those modalities? Well, I kind of fell into it. Yeah. It wasn't really planned. It just sort of very organically, like most things in my life, just I've always been fascinated with the mind. 
Um, I, I did those master's degrees because of that. I was doing a lot of public speaking about bullying and, and bringing people together. And then I started working with people and then I realised there's something missing. People are getting these unconscious blocks and that's why I did this work. So the combination of all of it seems to be creating some kind of incredible result for people. So I, I just want to get that happening on a larger scale so that we can prevent suffering, we can help more people. Um, my job is to make myself redundant as quickly as possible and change, help people change their lives. I love that, yeah, because yeah. if you can achieve that in four to six sessions, it's not about making people reliant on you for life no. where you become their lifeline. No, I would, yeah. I would actually hate that because I'm too impatient. <laughs> <laughs> And I wouldn't want it. Yeah. I wouldn't want it, people to be dependent on me. That defeats the purpose, and they wouldn't want me in their head. That'd be a disaster. Going <laughs> <laughs> to jump in their head. And I'm sure it would be beautiful. <laughs> uh, now, are there some are there some traumas that are more difficult than others? Um, for example, you know, the parents that have lost a child, or you know, um, just to digress, I, I'm doing a course at the moment because I've lost my driver's license for the second time. <laughs> Never had an accident, which is very ironic and touch wood. Speeding. But um, no, just, just points. Oh, points. Just really silly things like yeah. zoning out and you know maybe doing ten over. Or it's not easy to lose twelve mm. points in no. three years. So I happened to lose it within five years, t- twice. And once that happened, they send you to do a course, right? Ten hour course. <laughs> We have to sit there, and I'm sitting there, you know, uh, you know, skeptical. I'm thinking, oh, geez, I have to sit through this. I have to. Uh, I know all this stuff. I shouldn't have to. But uh, there was ten modules, and I got to give a shout out to Michael who created. Um, uh, I, th- I think it's called. Ah, um, oh, you know, I'll have to. I'll have to post it. But it's a. It's a course that he's developed, and it's because he lost his brother, to a. Um, a, a motor vehicle accident, mm-hmm. a motorbike accident, and then his other brother committed suicide because he couldn't deal with the loss of, you know, the brother that died in that accident. Yeah. So for people, and I remember sitting there um, watching some of these videos of these stories, and I got, I was in tears, mm. uh, and I started thinking, how does that person get over such a trauma, like? Mm. You know, especially if they see, and not just the their family. Sometimes the first responders that are there, you know, the ambulance people, the policemen, the, the eyewitnesses who turn up, they they just can't let go of that image of that suffering. So, okay. have you come across people like mm. that? Yes. Especially, you know, maybe someone who's experienced. I think you mentioned a car accident earlier, or someone yeah. who's like. Because 12,000 lives are ruined every year, Yes. you know, through death or disability from, from car accidents. How do, you, how do you recover? Have you come across someone who... So many. And, yeah. and some of the life stories I hear are, if you read a novel, you'd think, this is rubbish, I'm putting it down, it's too far-fetched. Yeah. They're just so extreme. And those people often have the most extreme results, interestingly enough, because they've got to that point where there's just nothing left. And there's nothing left of them. because they're so drained and depleted by all these things that have occurred. And sometimes people get into a pattern. If they've been in an abusive relationship with their parents and then they've been in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. with their partner and then they've been in another, they kind of become used to that. Yes. And the pattern continues. And then they become so depleted that they become a shadow of themselves. And then when they do this work, 
it's like you can see the most extreme changes in them because they were so it's not like someone who was only half depleted that ah, becomes yes, filled yes. like you know it's like yeah. a flower blossoming yes. if the flower's already half blossomed yeah. then it's not as dramatic as a flower that's just completely withered. closed up yeah. or withered yeah so so those people can really be get profound results so i, I had one person who had actually found you know the bodies of several family members mm. which was incredibly disturbing um, and it was as a result, you know, on drugs and, you know, feeling like nothing was worth a while anymore. Um, and they'd been to a lot of people. Um, but then when they did this work with me, everything shifted and everything turned around. And it's not like you can wipe out trauma. It's still there. It's just that you create a different visceral response to it. In other words, your body doesn't respond to it in the same way. Yes, yes. So it's the the mind is designed to remember and it's designed to forget. And the body mm. mind is one and the same. So if we can get our body to forget things, then our mind actually changes, right? And vice versa, we can get our mind to change and then our body changes. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. And I guess that's probably one of the reasons why our species has survived <laughs> exactly so so terrible mm. things happen but mm. from there we want to we want to create a block in the road and say okay yeah. from now on i'm going to stop this pattern yes so i'm not going to go down that same path and become another victim of suicide or whatever it is mm. instead i'm going to be a great father mother parent whatever and generate a whole new trajectory of change throughout the rest of my evolution right so that's kind of how we work Love with people is, yeah. to, is to enable them to see the power in overcoming sometimes generations of dysfunction does that make sense yes it does instead yes. of focusing on the trauma <clears throat> which is terrible and nobody can um undermine that we get them to actually change the way in a way reframe it but not in their thinking at a, at a very deep and visceral, visceral. unconscious yeah. level. Yeah. That's very powerful. Mm. You know, you're talking and you're, uh, reminded, you're reminding me of a, uh, quite a few things that uh, uh, one of our speakers uh, talked about at Upgrade Your Life. I don't know whether you know who David Goggins is. I think I saw him on your website. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> when I had a look, yeah. But he seems to embody or talk yeah. about a lot of these principles, yeah. you know, like... Um, how you find yourself through suffering and uh, actually there was something on your website <laughs> you talk about the fable of the butterfly yeah uh, yes. and it, when i read that it reminded me of his messages uh that i mean he, this guy is not uh, educated trained as a psychologist but everything he talks about sort of embodies all the principles yeah. that you, you you've been um addressing in uh, in this uh conversation but tell us a little bit about that because i love that fable it's, well, the Buddhist philosophy is yeah. that we need to suffer in order to grow, in order to evolve, in order to change. Yes. And that famous fable about the, the butterfly, um, you know, having transformed in that cocoon and this lovely kind old man tries to help it by cutting the end of the cocoon to help it escape. So the butterfly comes out, but it hasn't gone through the process of suffering, what we call suffering, yes. the challenging process of getting out. So as a result, it comes out and its body's bloated. It hasn't been squashed and thinned out and prepared for flight. Yes. So it's yes. bloated and heavy. It can't fly and it lies and dies. 
So <laughs> that's a beautiful yeah, metaphor. It uh, is a beautiful life, metaphor, yeah. and metaphors mm. are really powerful because they talk to that part of you that really knows the truth. That's your unconscious mind. That's the part of you that doesn't lie to you. Yes. We can tell ourselves a whole lot of rubbish. You can read the paper and believe a whole lot of rubbish. Yes. But at the, if I told you how you felt about your wife or your work and it was rubbish, you wouldn't believe me. Yes. You know, you, your feelings won't lie to you. So, you know, your unconscious mind is your best friend. Yes, yes. So it's all about allowing yourself to go through these challenging processes, allowing yourself to get up on stage and feel uncomfortable. Yes. You know, allowing yourself to get in the car and realizing, okay, I'm feeling a bit uneasy here because I've had an accident. That's okay. That's a good thing, right? So it's actually about acknowledging, realizing, understanding that it's all good. Yes. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yep. So you need to feel to heal. Oh, I love that. Yes. You do need to feel to heal. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, Lynn, this has been an amazing conversation. Yeah. It could go for many more hours. And Absolutely. I want to, uh, for me personally, this is something that I want to uh, research even further. Yeah. And uh, would you come back on our podcast? and I'd go, love to. Uh, that'd yeah. be awesome because awesome. I think next time I want to go into some, you know, really specific areas. Yeah. And maybe also if you can talk about more of your case studies because I have read them on your website and they're quite fascinating. Yes. But uh, thank you again. I really am grateful for the time and the energy and the effort you've put in to educating us about this area, I think, that has an amazing untapped potential for fixing a lot of humanity's problems. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've loved the chat. Awesome. Thank you. And for everyone that's uh, listening, that's all from us this week. Until next time, live consciously, my friends. Mm